It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Spurs in full cry here. Welcome, listeners, to The Extra Inch. My name's Wendy, and I'm joined by my sidekick and best friend, Bardi. Hello, Bardi. Hello, Wendy. And our tactics guy, and a man who has honeymooned. It's Nathan A. Clark. Hello, Nathan. Hello. Welcome back. Thank you, mate. Thank you. We've Good missed one. you. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Is it showing in the numbers that <laughs> you're missing me? <laughs> Uh, that is a good data. question. <laughs> no, we. Well, I. I think at this stage in the month we can't tell. Okay, too early. Um, too early. You've got to create a larger sample. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Uh, I'm sure it will, Nathan. Um, <laughs> most people are here just for your <laughs> okay. pearls of wisdom. Yeah. Definitely, um, you're definitely a steadying influence. You are the third leg of this tripod <laughs> because otherwise it's just me and Windy sat here talking cricket. Apparently, I, I wasn't meant to be on this episode. I thought I thought you'd lined up Chris Somerset for this episode, but you you planned him for a previous one. And so when I heard that he wasn't going to be on, I I came back early, like a an early returning international player to preseason, and back early to impress because 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 you need three. I reckon you need three. A back three is the way forward. <laughs> well, well, I don't think so. Um, uh, Jam says, can you ask Bardi to have more bottle when tweeting about the cricket, please? I mean, I thought it was over, Windy. I thought coward. that was that. Web. I, w- I was a bit of a coward, but also because I, w- I was going to a gig, so I, I wasn't there with it. So I just thought that's it. Best, though, just being an idiot. And I thought that was it. I was ready to give up with cricket. I just, I don't need any more disappointment in my life. I have enough. I don't need to add the our boys, our English lot to that as well. So I was ready to bin off cricket, but I'm back now. Off to Old Trafford. Here we go. Chuck him. <laughs> but apparently you can't say the boy, the bowler's got a bit of a chuck on him because that's like saying a bad thing about a bowler. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So chucking in cricket is like an illegal throw, essentially. But it's okay. like... um. It's not an obvious illegal throw. It's a it's a, a contested illegal throw. So they have debates about over whether someone is chucking it, uh, and then they analyse the action and that kind of thing. So um, yeah, don't say chucking in regards to bowling. Yeah. You can say you chucked it in from the boundary. That's fine. 
I don't watch cricket. I've just Googled the Ashes, right? And uh, it looks like there's five rounds and Australia won Ooh. the first two and we won the third. Does that mean England have to win the next two uninterrupted to win the best of five? Is that how it works? Indeed, indeed. Okay, yeah. good luck with that. Because if you draw, Australia keeps, they keep the little urn, don't they, Wendy? A little urn. That's, that's it. That's <laughs> it. That's what we're playing for. A little urn. So yeah. my understanding is that England play some sort of like uh, balls out, recklessly attacking yeah. cricket, which is not the metatactical approach of of all the other teams. And uh, to some degree, yes. Okay, to some degree. And 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 it started off with them just being completely punished by safe and steady cricket for the first two mm, tests. Is that right? Not really. The f- I mean, all three tests have been exceptionally close, and I. Personally, I think the things that have made the difference have been Australia have been holding onto their catches and England have been dropping theirs. I think other than that, like there's okay. been a lot of essentially equal performances. Also, Australia had this incredible opener called uh, Kawaja who were really struggling to get out, uh, which has definitely been a problem as well. So so for the people mm. in my mentions asking me to draw a comparison between Basball and Angeball, <laughs> I don't know. I clearly don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think there is a... I mean, there is a little bit of a comparison, I suppose, in that the, the players are inherently positive. I think it's partly um, the captain is Ben Stokes. He's a very positive player. Uh, and a lot of it stems from that, like embrace the positivity. And so Spurs are doing that. Sweet. That boy can swing a bat. The way he just <laughs> swings a bat like it's a, a breadstick is He's quite so incredible. strong. He's ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> they were like, this Australian guy was trying to whack it, but he just couldn't whack it like, like Stokesy. It's um, yeah, it's it's quite a sport, and it's so so like analytical, mm. so much data in it. Yeah, and, yeah. And and people are like, oh, it's proper sport, but it's like it's really data driven. Um, I think you'd like it. Um, yeah, I really do think you'd like it, Nathan. A lot of full tosses, full length Yorkies, all the rest of it. It's good stuff. But <laughs> Yorkers, we're get abs- Yorkers, Yorkers. Well, Yorkies, they're dogs. Gonna- <laughs> or chocolate bars that aren't for girls. Yeah. Yeah, we're going to get abused if we don't move on. <laughs> okay, let's do it. Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> yeah I, I was just about to say that I have literally, uh, while I've been working today, had the YouTube channel on, on of my cricket team, Sussex, and watched a full day of cricket for them as well. Uh, that is what true cricket nerds do. Um, mm. But yes, we should we should probably talk about football, and there's loads and loads and loads to talk about. Today was the day of Angie's first press conference, and I don't know about you, but I've I've watched some of the clips and just so many good vibes great vibes great vibes the whole the full because there's a guy on youtube b man who's just like you can just buy the press conference and then you can just choose to put it up on your youtube channel and run ads so that's what this guy does um so yeah the full the full half hour because hang on well the full half hour first part the press conference because they do a first part which they record and then they put the camera away and they record the stuff that's to be embargoed for later. That's mm-hmm. the sort of more in-depth mm-hmm. questions, right? Anyway, that whole, that whole first sequence is half an hour or so and is, is up online on YouTube and, and, and worth a watch. Cause I don't know if you guys listening might be a little sick of, uh, puzzling or distressing or confusing, <laughs> Or negative press conferences. This is a real brush of breath of air. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Uh, I really liked the way he handled the Harry Kane stuff. So the third question was a question about Harry Kane, and he immediately goes, 
Question three, huh? That's that's the first one about Harry. Okay, so we had a we had a pool amongst the coaching staff, and uh, and Yedinak, I think, had had number three. I went for number six. So I thought you might be more interested in me, and he does it in such a kind of jovial, mm-hmm. likable way that he kind of absolutely pars the the journalist asking the question, but but does it really pleasantly. He does a similar thing with the last question. The last question is. Uh, talking about the situation that he's arriving at Spurs, and the journalist asking, like, does a uh, uses some rhetoric in his question where he's like, "Look, Spurs, they aren't in the Champions League, they aren't in the Europa League, they're not even in the Europa Conference League. They finished eight. You know, you're coming into a really terrible situation. Basically, is what he is heavily implying, and he just deflects that and goes, "Oh, you made it sound really bad. I was really excited, right? When he could have been like." <laughs> how dare you spin it this way, you fucking journalist, or, you know, or even be like, yes, things are really bad and we're going to have to work. What are some, some great uh, Conteisms for that? Like, we're going to have to suffer <laughs> or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He's, he's, yeah, it, it does really good handling of those questions. And the thing is, it doesn't feel rehearsed. It feels like mm. it's very, very natural. It's just in him to be that way. He's just being himself and he's a good person and he's a, an affable character and, and that really comes across. It's a completely different switch from the mindset and kind of attitude of, of Conte and, and Jose. Definitely more more Nuno, more humble, more kind of everyday kind of geezer just getting on with the work. Mm. Uh, I'm I'm not ready to love again, Wendy. You, <laughs> you know that with me. I'm still going to be patient on this before I go fully in or fully out. But um, I'll wait and see. It was a good promising start. He said some nice things. If He's probably in quite a complicated situation right now with everything happening with Kane and the squad rebuild and everything. So he's, he's handling it nicely. Yeah, I, I, I really like the fact that he didn't shy away from tackling the Kane stuff. He just said, look, you know, you're kind of making it out like this Kane decision hinges on my conversation with him. That's not what the conversation is going to be. I'm not going to try and dress it up. I'm going to introduce myself to Kane. I'm going to tell him what I think we need to do to make Spurs successful. And I'll ask him what he thinks we need to do to make Spurs successful. And uh, I thought that was a really nice way of, of tackling it. I do think ultimately this is probably the first manager that we've got that won't be able to keep Kane just because of who they are. I do think Jose and Conte were probably able to sell Kane just based on their personality and reputation. I think Postacoglu is going to be a combination of him and the club. And that that's how Kane will stay. Speaking here, of selling Kane. <laughs> <laughs> or do you want to do that later? <laughs> no, no, you, you, you crack on. You crack on. <laughs> I didn't even have anything good to say. It was just a funny transition because he used the term selling Kane. <laughs> <laughs> He's, he's been away two weeks and he's, been, he's just been Get bubbling. out. <laughs> Sell all the good players. Especially Harry Kane. Especially Harry Kane. So what's what's the latest on that then? So Bayern bid a, a second bid that's, uh, what, 80 million euros, which is like 67 yeah. in pounds. Yeah. Uh, plus add-ons, which is a very vague term that doesn't give us much insight. It's not enough, is it, Nathan? It's not enough. Uh, I think we can get more. Which is a double different. <laughs> I don't think we can get double. Um, yeah, I don't know. I I was having this maybe they're two thirds of the way there. Okay, okay, all right. I'm I'm listing. I think if they if they bid 100 million euros with some add-ons, I think it's something that we should seriously consider. Um, I was having this discussion on 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 Twitter yesterday. Um, that the sensation is that like Spurs are looking to gamble that we'll have a good enough season this season 
like not win everything with our last chance to win everything we can, but there'll be enough promise. There'll be enough excitement in the project, the way where we're headed under Ange that, that Kane will want to, as a free agent uh, at 30 turning 31, uh, want to extend his contract when he could sign with anyone in the world if he wanted to for free. In fact, he can sign him free with, with Bayern in January. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I, I like again, I said on Twitter, like I, I actually, I feel really, really good about Spurs. I feel really good about Postacoglu. And Postacoglu and Tottenham Hotspur are absolutely made for one another in, in the best possible way. Um, I like what we're doing in the window so far. Mm-hmm. And I feel good about um, a lot of the process involved in that. Um, I think we're going to have a really good season. I'm really looking forward to it. And and I do think that there's a reasonable case that, that Harry Kane, as a Spurs fan, um, will be persuaded by the season that we're about to have. But I think it's insane to to gamble on that, to risk him leaving on a free, because you think that that might be the case. I think this feels real, this this whole buying thing. Much more real than the Real, uh, than the Man City thing a couple of years ago. Today's like the first time that I know I've said many times we should probably sell him for the right money, but I think today's the first time I actually think it's going to happen. And I think he's going to go. The whole, um, there was a meet, that whole thing where Harry Kane was there. Harry Kane's brother was there. Some other chap called Nepe was there. Tuchel was there. I just, it just feels real this time that this might actually happen. I don't know yet. I think, um, I don't think Bayern is like an irresistible club for Kane. I think um, I'm sure he'd do really well there. I'm sure they'll win the Bundesliga. Uh, but I'm not convinced that like it's the club that he should go to. Also, I, I think... I do think there's an element of like he'll come back to training and... You know, they look like they're having such a good time in pre-season. The, the, the drills seem popular. The togetherness seems good. The coaching staff, from what Alice Gold has reported, seem to have gone down really, really, really well. Uh, and they're enjoying working with these new people. Uh, and I think there's definitely a chance that Kane sees that and thinks, you know, the environment here is really good. Um, what Like... What if I go and I don't enjoy it as much? What if I go and I regret it? I think that is a possibility still. Um, and that's not to say he won't have regrets about not getting a trophy at the end of his career either. And the, the thing, I don't think it's, it's clear-cut, is the, is the point I'm making. I think Bayern just... It's almost like a clear a clean break for him. He can go to the Bundesliga, just step out of the Premier League, get away from... All these trophy idiots that keep posting about trophies <laughs> go to Bayern and actually do something quite incredible. I know winning the league at Bayern isn't isn't much, but he could go there, win win the league, and then perhaps do something in the Champions League. He could actually achieve something, and it doesn't tarnish his Spurs career. If he goes to Bayern Munich this season for eighty million pounds, it's all right. We wish him well. Mm. Go for it. We understand why you've done that. But if he stays. Yeah, if he stays and then goes Chelsea or United, there'll be some resentment towards him. Bayern is a... It's, if he's going to go anywhere, going to Bayern Munich for 80 to £90 million pounds is, is where I would send him. Mm. Uh, so on, on this topic, DB69, nice, says, if Bayern push to £100 million, considering the way Ange wishes to play, do we sell and replace with Nico Williams and Matoma playing Son or Richarlison centrally? 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. I perfect question, <laughs> perfect suggestion within your question. Hundred million, I think, is is probably what I'm looking for, and I think Williams uh, and or Matoma um, would be the way to go. Yeah, move move Sun into a centre forward role because he profiles similarly to the the type of nine that Boscoglu is generally preferred, which is someone who tries to get in behind. And Richarlison is also a, a good model for that. Um, profile you've got them sharing that role and then and then invest in a um, a left winger who's more sewered definitely and 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 yeah Matoma and and Williams are my are my probably my top picks for that role mm. Matoma's unreal such a talent he is he is um 26 already I think I think that's fine I think that like um I do think like we need to bring the age profile of the squad down, mm. but were we to sell Perisic and Larice and Hoybier. maybe Hoybier and Kane, then the age profile of the squad is coming down. So buying yeah. some sort of pre-peak players like Madison and like Matoma would be not a problem, I think. Uh, should Kane leave, and I think we've we've all agreed that it does seem like a distinct possibility. I definitely think we need to add more goals to the midfield uh, to compensate for, you know, the huge drop-off. We'll see if Kane's no longer at the club. Uh, We've been linked strongly with Conor Gallagher in the last week, mainly by kind of ITKs rather than journalists. Um... I've watched Conor Gallagher over many years and I think he's got a lot of useful skills. Uh, One of which is his ability to time run into the box, receive the ball and get shots away. Do you think he's a good fit for the system, Nathan? Yeah. um, So we've been linked to... I mean, we've brought in James Madison for a start, right? Uh, We haven't sold Pedro Poro. (laughs) And we're not going to. Um, and we've got Kulusevski in the side, right? So um, we've already got a lot of sort of front five players, attacking players, and we're continuing to be linked to these sort of um, aggressive number eights who arrive in the box, um, which is like, that's cool. And um who does play with two high aggressive number eights, but generally one of them, um, when that formation moves into its defensive shape, it becomes a 4-4-2, right? So one of the number eights stays up high and joins the centre forward, pressing in the front two, and one of them has to very quickly rush back and and cover midfield. So one of the eights um, is a bit more box-to-box, a bit more up and down, and therefore has a bit more of a duty defensively and also a little bit more in terms of ball progression, right? So for us to have signed Madison, have the attacking players on our books we already have, and still be looking at players who get in the box, I'm thinking, okay, this is this is a pretty uh, aggressive, and we know that it's going to be aggressive because that's that's Potscogli. But even even with that said, this is some pretty um, forward heavy mm. recruitment we're looking at. With that said. Um, Gallagher gets up and down, right? He gets in the box, goal threat, moves fine space, does the the deli stuff, mm. but he's also got the the graft and a bit of the ball progression and the general technical 
um, soundness to be an up and down guy. A lot of the other players that are, are, are popping up um, would be a very, very attacking heavy lineup. Um, and Dombele is still on the books. Uh, it's time for some in, um, discourse. In Dom discourse. Do you want to go there? Or is it too early? There, there was. Uh, I edited a little bit of training footage where he, he, it does like a a good play, and then he sprints back because that's the drill they're doing. It's a really cool drill, by the way. And yep. then him, yeah. him doing like a a, a mean mug and cross arms because uh, his team won the little the, the five aside game afterwards. Um, and and Postecoglou sort of was asked directly about Ndombele and said, look, he's training mm-hmm. hard, everyone's training hard, um, you know, uh, implying a sort of fresh start for everyone. He's going to just see how things go. Yeah, I don't know, man. <laughs> you don't want to say anything. I don't. I've been there before. We'll revisit this in a few weeks, I guess. That's exactly it. Well, let's see how preseason goes before we waste time on this. <laughs> <laughs> um so on on other transfers uh it looks like uh Manuel Solomon will be signing this week early this week um so something interesting cropped up uh with him in the discord someone posted one of the kind of radars and it showed it, it had that kind of um it must have been from Statsbomb because it had on ball value as one of the metrics um, which is a stats bomb specific metric they've created. I I, I literally can't uh, describe it now. It's too complicated. They literally wrote a white paper when they released it. But my understanding is that it rewards uh, high risk, high reward players better than other metrics have done previously. Sure. And he shows up exceptionally well, like 99th percentile well in that data set. So Manuel Solomon is someone who is a high risk player uh, but the rewards are high according to the data um, over his last season at Shakhtar and his season last year at Fulham, which was heavily injury disrupted, by the way. Um, so I think there's there's clearly something there that they like. Um, I suspect Spurs are subscribing to, to Satsbomb for their data and uh, and he shows up well in that. So they, they if they're making data signings, they, they've picked out a couple of things they want to work with and they, and they like whatever he's showing up in. Uh, I still have concerns about him as a sort of... I don't think he's an elite level winger, certainly not yet. And I don't think there's enough um, minutes. I don't think he's had enough minutes for us to to be prioritising him as a as a first choice winger or perhaps even a rotation winger. But there's obviously something there and I'm really intrigued to see more of him. Um, anything you can add there, Nathan? I I mean, if you look at his um, data at Shakhtar, he's putting up like four dribbles per 90, like in just absurd numbers. Um, yeah. My view of him at Fulham is that he was less of a sort of a two-way dynamic outside dribbler and more just a guy yeah. who was good at shifting it one way yeah. to shift it onto his right foot to curl a shot into the far post. And then he scored like 10 goals in 12 shots by, by scooping it into the far post, right? Four um, goals. Okay. Well, extracting on a per 90 basis, no. Yeah, um, yeah. So <laughs> since then, um, both uh, Harry B, head coach, 
and also uh, uh, Jack M underscore seventy seven have uh, who who are two people whose whose views on football I find insightful um, have spoken um, positively about his ability to be a sort of again a two way dynamic winger who can stand up an opposition fullback you know receive a ball from from a standing start and and create opportunities for for his teammates or, or at least um, create space and threat. So I'm feeling a little better about his ability to perform that role because that is an important role um, in in Vosikoglu's system. Um, Jota played basically every game for, for Celtic last season and we don't really have that. Mm. Um, this is something that my friend John McKenzie mentioned in his video or his sensible transfers video for Spurs and it got quite a bit of pushback because he essentially said Spurs don't have a dribbler. And it's like, okay, Son can can do a dribble that wide and Kulusevski um was an outstanding carrier of the ball last season. Um Poro's a very good dribbler for a for a fullback, for a wing back. Um and I accept all of that, but I do think it's still true that we don't have like a an absolute dedicated one v one specialist who's just gonna put up a huge volume. And I think especially if you talk about Kulusevski like the idea of doing it from a standing start, the idea of doing it mm-hmm. against a deep defence, right? Kulusevsky's really good when we're countering the full length of the pitch, when he's got the ball to, and he's carrying it and he's got momentum and he can shift it. But mm-hmm. to to like have the ball, receive a pass to the touchline and then stand up a guy and go around him, that's why... What's the... What's the... the the Italian guy who tweeted about how Kulusevsky can't beat a man... Um, oh, Carlo Gaganese. Carlo Gaganese. That's why. That's why he thinks uh, Klitschko can't beat a man is because Juventus couldn't create um, opportunities for him to have the ball in space, and they played him as a centre forward. It's it's um, it's a fair point. Klitschko is really good at creating a yard to get a shot or a crossaway, yes. but he doesn't often kind of just go round players on the outside or or even on the inside uh, unless he's he's receiving like already on the run yeah uh, he, he struggles to get that acceleration off the standing start to, to get the, the separation to beat his man uh and it's absolutely fair to say that Manuel solomon has that in spades he can one-on-one he can dart past the player because he's fast he's got really cl- tight close control and trickery uh, and and that will be a useful tool for the squad to have but i have concerns about whether the rest of his game is good enough to maximize that tool he he has um, but I'm I'm really willing to say you know what Angel's a really good coach let's give it a go let's see what happens it's a it's a cheap punt um, but I I feel very uncomfortable about that cheap punt I don't know how you guys feel but essentially the situation with Manuel Solomon is that his club Shakhtar Donetsk uh, obviously have a war ongoing in their country and their players were allowed to suspend their contracts and what this has meant is that his contract. Uh, is now expiring. He's available on free transfer. They'd originally paid six million plus add-ons for him, and we will be getting him on a free transfer. Um, and it seems as though Spurs have invited them to play a friendly match to, in some way, compensate for getting him on a free transfer. The Shakhtar owner uh, or president, or I don't know, chairman, whatever. Is not happy about the situation and thinks that they should be compensated, and I I happen to agree. I think they should absolutely be compensated. I think this is FIFA have made a really poor um, decision here, but also I know I know football isn't 
you know, it's not a char- they're not a charity. Spurs aren't a charity, but I don't like us taking advantage of a literal war to sign a player on a free transfer. I find that deeply uncomfortable. Did you guys have any thoughts? Am I being overly sensitive here? I think you've been a bit overly sensitive. Spurs have taken advantage of it, but there's there's a few players at Shakhtar that have ended up and gone elsewhere right now. Um, yeah, I'm I'm not too down about. I'm, I'm not. I don't have real feelings towards it either way. I think it's okay. <laughs> yeah, I I don't feel great about it. I uh, Shakhtar did something quite uh, smart, which is they do they give half of the transfer fee that they got from Mudrick towards the the war effort as it were right um and that not to say that wasn't like a a genuinely good thing to do but it really puts a a bad light on us then taking advantage to to pick up solomon on a free right um it seems pretty shady it seems pretty shady uh, and i guess you know you could be like oh well if we didn't do it someone else is going to pick him up for a free sure um I, 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 and my point is, fine, let them. I'd rather, like, mm. it's not our club indulging in this. And, you know, we look back to last summer with the Basuma signing, and it felt like we got Basuma on a bit of a deal because there was a whole cloud around yeah. this arrest situation. Uh, and I know he was in last year of his contract as well, but I can't help but feel that we got him cheaper because of the stuff surrounding his private life, which turned out to be, you know, no big deal. But, um, uh, I don't like it. <laughs> I don't like it. I don't like the fact that we, we're taking advantage. And, um, you know, that's no reflection on Manuel Solomon. Of course, he has to think about his career and do the right thing for himself. It's, that's sure fair, absolutely fair enough. Um, but I can't help but feel that Spurs should be paying some form of proper compensation, like a tribunal set fee, which would be at least six million because that's what they paid for him in 2019. And he's got better since then. Uh, and and they've invested a lot in him since then. Anyway, oh, probably you know, wasted too much time talking about this. A big public donation. I guess we've already doing it with the the friendly, but a big public donation towards um, the what's the Recovery. right term I'm looking for here? The rebuild of their country. <laughs> sure. Okay. Yeah. That. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. So the other movement we're expecting this week is at least one centre-back to be in before we head off for our pre-season trip. Uh... 
reading between the lines, it feels as though we've got personal terms agreed with Tap Sober and uh, Van der Ven. And now it comes down to agreeing a price with their clubs and agreeing what we think is a fair price with their clubs. And again, reading between the lines, it, it feels as though the clubs are asking for quite a lot of money for both players and Spurs. Maybe at one point thought they could sign both. Now, with the prices being quoted, they realise they can only probably sign one of those players. Uh, and it's looking more and more like it might be Van der Ven rather than Tap Sober is, is where I'm landing right now. Any thoughts? Uh, I think that we are only ever looking at one. And that's my suspicion, because okay. we're looking at one, uh, one starter in Tap Sober or Van der Ven, and then one backup in Longley or Tosin uh, Adebayo. Uh, I think Tap Sober is incredible. I think he's already one of the best centre backs in the world. I think that um, I'd be willing to pay 50, 60 million euros to bring Tap Sober in. Um, I'm very, very excited that we would be looking at Tap Sober, that we would identify him. Um, and I think that we we should pay over the odds to get him in. Basically, I think that highly of him. Van der Ven, um, I tweeted about this again, and I and I haven't um, haven't done any more research. But I I saw him playing in the um, second division in the Netherlands uh, because he was this he was this really really weird guy, a centre back who was carrying the ball absurd distances. Um, every single match um, uh, because he was just athletically a total turtle turtle a total (laughs) standout Um, and so he would receive the ball under pressure uh, facing his own goal and just stud roll the ball and carry it past seven players and move out wide to the wing and cross the ball in like again and again and again weird stuff like that Um, and then I didn't realize that he'd moved to Wolfsburg. I watched Wolfsburg matches because I'd wa- I was watching uh, Lacroix and I was watching um oh, I forgot the name of the the right back that I really like at Wolfsburg. Baku, Riddle Baku. Um Oh yeah, yeah. So yeah, um and I didn't clock that the center back who was starting next to Lacroix was was that weird guy who was um a giraffe stumbling his way up the pitch um again and again. That I'd seen previously, um, but I guess clearly he's done well enough at Wolfsburg, um, and also sort of um, calmed his game down, become a bit more generic, a bit a bit steadier, a bit more normal. Um, so I'm guessing that the club uh, and the scouts and the data team are projecting this guy to have a super super high ceiling to have because he has this. Really standout athletic skill set. It's explosivity and this balance and this speed of action, kinesthetic stuff that I talked about before with Yudoji. Um, that as his read of the game improves um, and so on, he's going to just become this absolute freak. And I'm not saying that that's definitely the case from my own opinion. I'm not saying it's not the case because I just haven't watched him at Wolfsburg enough to, to have that kind of confidence, but that's interesting that we're seeing that and we're looking that way with that mm. said, I just think tap sober is a super safe bet. Brilliant center back right now. 
and and I think that we should be prepared to pay a very significant sum to get him in, and and he would be my first choice probably. I mean, maybe I'll go away and I'll watch Van Der Ven and be like, oh, okay, now I see it. Now this guy is is going to be the best in the world in a couple of years' time. Um, but I have so obviously I have a little bit of um, uh, reservation that that's confidently the case. So it sounds quite quite optimistic then it's not like the fact that van der ven is the long lay to top sober's bastoni no but i did think that that long lay um would be really good <laughs> and he was merely okay so you know maybe center backs mm. are, are tough uh, to be honest and i i still don't have the greatest read on center backs that i'd like to have i, I watched a little bit of top sober in the last week and i think he's so good on the ball yeah i really really like how smooth he is i do think he's quite reckless defensively Okay. Um, we don't we don't need another reckless guy at centre back. We need someone a bit calmer yeah, to be alongside that's, Romero. That's kind of where I'm coming from with him as well. Like I do wonder I know I know he can be cat or dog, supposedly, mm. but I definitely see him as more dog. Um Interesting. Or in the clips I've watched. And I, I feel like sometimes he's just not in great control of the situation. Uh but he's so good on the ball that like maybe it's Maybe it's worth just riding that out and seeing what happens, because you don't get many defenders who are as smooth in possession as he is, uh, and that and that is obviously going to be absolutely critical this season for us to have a centre back who is slick. Yeah, it's really interesting. I think um, the next week is a lot's going to happen before the the tour, and that's that's fascinating to me. Um. Nathan, you you weren't here when we signed Vicario. Did you have any thoughts? Uh, nice video, Bardi. Uh, very Thank interesting you. creative decision to clip up a bit where you said he was terrible and put it on Reddit. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't say he was terrible. You it. I just said in that in that action he was an abomination. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thinking about it, I should have really saved that bit yeah. for the paywall and gone with a nice positive. Look how good yeah. he is! I would have, I would have done the same amount of um, hits and engagement with a lot less beef. Mm. <laughs> Maybe. Maybe. Maybe you live and learn every day. Is, every day is a school day. Listen, I go on holiday for two fucking weeks. <laughs> um, so you pick up in the video that he has quite a reactive play style that he often stays deep on his line. Um, I was wondering, not just with him, but with goalkeepers in general, I guess, how much is that down to him individually? How much do you think that's team style? Could or is it likely that he comes to Spurs now and Aaron says, uh, oh, Vicario, mate, um, I'm going to need you to be more aggressive on your line and come out more. Is, or is that just like, is that a really difficult thing to ask a goalkeeper to change up to do? Because when I did my data scouting, Vicario showed up really well in the in the shot stopping, showed up really well in the passing, um, but he didn't make the cut for sweeping. And then that really shows with your video scouting that he prefers to remain deep and, and react late. I mean, 100% that is a, um, a tactical okay. setup of... Um... Of his team, which is <laughs> Empoli. <laughs> they, they defend with five a... players on the penalty spot. Yeah, so so he, he naturally, if your defence is sitting so deep, you're not going to be able to sweep. So that that's part of it. Um, we need to see what happens. I think he can probably be taught. I think 
he's a he's a youngish enough guy that he's probably been taught in a more he's been yeah to be more proactive as he's been growing up and learning the game. So I think he can probably change. I hope he can, but if he doesn't, it's going to be over for him pretty fast at Spurs. I just don't. He he needs to yeah he needs to be more proactive. He needs to be more imposing. He needs to step up a bit, and he just needs to make quicker decisions and not rely on his um, okay. reflexes because, yeah, he, he's been playing for a bad team and that, that's always the way. It, a goalkeeper's, if you're a good goalkeeper in a bad team, you look really, your shot stop is always going to be good because you're just facing so many shots. But his set pieces were pretty bad and I just felt sometimes he he didn't make the right decision. Quite so often. the set pieces thing, is yeah. that also the his tendency to sort of uh, overcommit to the near post? Yeah, so a lot of the a lot of the balls that come across, he does protect his near post. I just found he was constantly so freaked out by his near post that he would just allow things to lift, drift over his head, or be pulled back on him. I think his set pieces is is pretty much down to the, his defense okay. around him. He just decided there was no point coming for it. He was going to hold his line and see if he could make the save, and he did. He did do that a few times. Um, there was one really. I, so I didn't look at any saves. I just looked at goals conceded. And there was one save he made against Juventus, which was incredible. Unfortunately, the ball crossed the line, but that did show real kind of agility and good reflexes. It definitely seems like, I mean, this is from what I saw before I watched your video, is that that whenever the opposition team managed to pass the ball back across him, um, there was no way he was recovering back to the to the far post. But I guess maybe that is also because of the way his team defend with with numbers in the box that if that happens, like something else has gone terribly wrong for that to, to, to that yeah. form to exist. So maybe, but that seems like a harder thing to correct than just proactivity, a tendency of, of how close he stands to the near post. That seems pretty embedded in. Yeah, I, I think that could probably be worked out of him. I'm not concerned about being a parry merchant. I, I think say, that'll be okay yeah. as well. Yeah. I, think, I think because everybody's so deep, the moment you parry, there's a bit of chaos because, and, yeah, they're so deep. They're allowing a lot of shots. They sat in front of him. He's having to react quite late to stuff. I think I think the parrying will be okay and the near posting may take some time, especially against teams like Arsenal, Man City that love a cutback. He could be he could be exposed a little bit there. Mm. But I have hope for him. I, as I said, I, he, we've not signed the number one goalkeeper who's going to come in and this is our number one for the next six years. We've signed the prospect... Who's who's kind of middle age, good age for a goalkeeper who can come in and perhaps develop. I reckon we've signed him as a um, as a stopgap, and then next year we'll go for Raya. I, wow. I honestly believe I think wow. that's what that's what we've done. We don't want to pay the forty million this year. We'll give this guy a go. If it doesn't work out, then we'll we'll drop him for Raya next year on a free. Okay, okay. I think I definitely think the the general expectation is much more positive from from other Spurs fans from from reporting. I'd be interested to. Uh, be interested to know what Spurs actually feel about that, but I, yeah, that's interesting. We have to wait and yeah. see. We 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 will know more, and we have to wait and see. At the moment, everybody's just passing judgment, and I think as Spurs fans, we're so down and we're so we've had such a bad time that anything we jump on mm. anything as a positivity, well, and we're just hoping. Quite a bit of hype about him coming from Italy. There's quite a bit mm. of excitement. There's quotes from Buffon and and all these kind of bits and. Various Italian people of uh, or Serie A watchers have said to me, "Oh yeah, this guy is this guy is really really special. He's he's going to develop into something special, kind of thing." So, 
I mean, some of the Buffon comments were... Yeah, were I know that there, there was some some fiction added to those. And um, some of the people that really bigged up Vicario also really bigged up content. <laughs> so um, there is that as well. And a lot of the a lot of the hype around Vicario, especially from Paluca and stuff, it was especially for an Inter website, Inter magazine, talking about Inter. So Paluca was never just going to tear into a player that could be could end mm. up at Inter that okay. season. So yeah, there is a lot of hope. It's it's weird that he's ended up leaving Italy, but it's just a state of affairs at the moment in Italy. There's no money, no, and you sell to the Premier League, you make more money. So we'll see. I hope he comes good, but I I don't know. But I've been down on Italian goalkeepers in general, really. Um, I prefer him to Merritt. I really dislike the the Napoli goalkeeper Merritt, who we have been linked to. I find him a bit like a drunk cat, really flappy, really poor. He pours at everything. So um, let's see. Have either of you heard about this uh, thing that's going on with Spurs and Enfield Council? They want even more space to the training ground. So that's already massive. Mm. What's all that about? Yeah, so uh, someone on Twitter, Nick DK, brought this to my attention. I I'd, I think I'd heard about it in passing, but not really paid much attention. But essentially, there's this huge plot of land next to our training ground at Enfield, uh, which um, since 1931 has been owned by the council and is, is public land. It's a park, essentially, that that people can use and make the most of. And Spurs are trying to buy it very much on the cheap and turn it or turn 60% of it or something into space for their their women's team to train on. Mm. Um, there is there's a lot of um, petitioning going on to try and stop that from happening. It's felt that, that Spurs um, are trying to get it at a, a really ridiculously cheap price that the council won't benefit much from the amount Spurs are planning to planning to pay for it and that the public are essentially losing out on public space. There's issues, environmental issues around um, animal habitats, bird mm. habitats as well. Um, and it's it's all quite sticky. Is this Archer's uh, Wood? This no, is... I'm looking on Google Maps right now. <laughs> uh is it right, think, like literally right in contact, just right on the training ground? Yeah, I think it's 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 known as White Webb's Park, I believe. Okay, but it's essentially the golf course. Oh, okay, yeah, I see it now. Yeah, um, I, I'm not going to do a deep dive on this now, but I I do think this is the kind of thing that is it's worth fans knowing about. I think it's it's you know there's there's stuff going on here with our club that affects the local community, um, and. I, I definitely think it's worth highlighting and being aware of. I'll, I'll put a couple of links in the show notes so people can go and have a read and make their own minds up about whether this is uh, something we should be doing or not. But I don't know. I, I, I'm My inclination is to not be keen on this. I think you know Spurs would be massively benefiting from this expanse of land, which they can then develop and also add AstroTurf pitches to instead of, you know, the, the natural grass that is there at the moment, it's it's essentially uh, um, used for uh, livestock and rewilding at the moment, some of it. Uh, yeah, I know, I'm not, I don't know the sound of this. I, 
I understand that Spurs want the space for their women's team, and and that is also an important part of their their plan. But our training site is massive. We've got a huge footprint on the training ground. I'm sure they could uh, create space for the women's team in there as is, um, without picking up this huge amount of acreage for two million quid. Eighty thousand pounds a year is is what we're supposedly offering. Um, as I said, I'll put the links in the bio. The other thing I want to talk about is the ticket ticket price rise, which has been announced this week. So Spurs froze season ticket prices. Prices, good news for for Bardi, um, and everyone thought that was a, a really positive move. Then this week they've announced significant rises in the price of tickets for non-season ticket holders. Um, the the club spokesman's spokespersons, I should say, comment was, we are fully aware of the current rising cost of living and as such, one of the only, one of only three Premier League clubs to free season ticket prices for the coming season. Our match ticket prices are comparable to other London clubs with a wide range of price points available for fans to choose from, which is a little disingenuous. Um, there are price points to choose from, but they've gone up across the board. Uh, and some of them have gone up really significantly. I, I wanted to get your thoughts on how you feel about the Spurs sort of slipping in this this price rise for match day tickets. I mean, they've essentially they're showing us that next season season tickets will go up to match this. It's um, all they're doing is is just letting us know, announcing it softly, so we know what's coming next year. It's also there's been a recategorization of. of of matches as well. So like Newcastle have gone from a category B to a category A now. So we have more category A games, which allows them to charge more prices. Um, Nottingham Forest got bumped up as well. I guess some teams going down left their hole. So we now have more category A games than, than before. And it's just, it's just the way things are going. Spurs know that the money is there for, for the tourists that will go in and spend more. I don't spend a great deal there, a couple of beers, but if you, if you get a family in there, who are over for a weekend to watch a game, they'll spend a lot more money and that's that's what Spurs want. They want people in there. Yeah, it's not great. It's not great. This, this is it. The tickets are always going to sell. You know, they, they could they could double the prices and I'm pretty sure that the majority of matches would near sell out still. Uh, and, and they prey on this. I, I think I tweeted about this a lot, as a lot of people have done. I think um, the, the trust will be talking about this in great detail, I'm sure. But, some of the responses were like, it's a business, what do you expect? And and my response to that is, it's not a normal business. It's a business that um, didn't start off as a business and relies on its fan base, which is a fan base through which the love of the club has been passed on through many generations. Um, football is not your typical business and, and, and trying to sort of uh, extract as much wealth from a loyal fan base is is pretty pretty sickening especially with where we are at the moment in this country. Inflation is through the roof. People are paying um, crazy food prices. Rent in London is astronomical. Um, mortgage rates are, are crazy. So for Spurs to do this now, it doesn't sit well with me. I, I Especially, actually, after two really unwatchable seasons we we ended the season really well in Conte's first year sure but last year was miserable and you know at least give it a year before you put the prices up let's like have some good football so you can at least justify on a football basis if you're going to do it at all uh 
I, I think this is a really poor move from Spurs. I'm very disappointed that they chose him to do this. And, you know, I, I, I probably won't go to as many matches next year as a result, as a direct result of this, because I, I don't think I can justify the cost. It's, it's crazy. I don't, I don't know where, I don't know where to go from here. You know, it's the, that's the way it is. The, the prices will never come down. It's just going to continue to go up. I think, um, I think we always say the Spurs have an opportunity to do something really nice and really progressive for the fans, but they, they continue to not do that. Mm. They continue to just do whatever they want to squeeze as much money as they can. And at some point we all have to make a decision that that's it. That's enough. But then you're also, um, going to you're you're relying on people's traditions you're relying on people's social lives to get them to keep renewing and keep paying and everything else that's around the game mm. it's not the it's not the football quite well it's clearly last season it wasn't the football that kept me going back <laughs> it's the it's the match day experience of seeing your friends yeah. and being with your friends watching the football that that's what they they're relying on that's what how they hook you yeah so on the park which I was just looking at it looks like Spurs want what is currently a golf course. Um, <laughs> in which case, whatever, sure. <laughs> it's not going to keep Harry Kane around, but um, yeah. Looking at the map, they want they want what is currently a golf course um, to turn that into training ground for the women's side, and then they want sort of like a they want a little more, but then they're also just going to maintain the woodland of the little more that they have. Um, mm. Sure. Uh, I think that our training ground is huge and we should be able to share that with the women's team as it is. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we already have the necessary facilities. There's like 12 pitches I can see from <laughs> Google Maps, um, uh, plus a huge gym or whatever. I don't know. I don't think we yeah. need any more land. I think there's plenty of room for everyone. Um, the academy teams, the women's teams, the women's academy teams. Seems seems like there should be plenty of room, especially if you stagger your training about a bit. So whatever. Yeah. Um, but also a golf course isn't much. Uh, it, it's it's, greener it's, than it's a public right pitch. of way, so like there's at least space for the public to use. Yeah, but then we're so we're only looking at taking half the woodland and then keeping the remaining as as public access park and not not owning it. So, um, so there's there's this sort of blog post on the park's own website which argues against the case why it's not financially yeah. in their offer in in their uh, interest and why the the golf uh, site is now actually turning a profit and therefore Spurs aren't paying enough. So sure, I, I believe them. Um, but I'm not sort of outraged at the idea of buying a golf course and turning it into a different sporting green. On the topic of uh, ticket prices, Rising, I would like to say, uh, fuck you, uh, the director board of Tottenham. Fuck you. How <laughs> fucking dare you, you cunts. Um, they've announced this after my uh, my membership has renewed. Um, they've announced this after doing a big sort of... We negotiated with the trust and they made us yeah. aware that we shouldn't put the... season Because of the cost of living, we're not going to put the season ticket prices up. Um, but they're going to milk us somewhere else instead. Um, yeah, it makes me fucking sick, to be honest. Simple as that. Um... The timing sucks. <sighs> the timing absolutely sucks. I mean, I was just saying like how how I feel better about Spurs right now than I have done for a long time, and um, they've taken away a lot of the momentum of that. That's it, that's it. They've lost a lot of goodwill. A lot of goodwill. Um, I don't know. I think um, when you talk about the cost of living... Um, 
uh, if you're sort of um, mathematically, economically, statistically minded, you won't say, well, um, cost of living is related to inflation. And when inflation goes up, then cost of goods and services go up, right? So mm-hmm. so the idea that you shouldn't put the, go- the cost of goods and services when the cost of living is expensive is sort of um, backwards. Um, but it's not because, as you rightly point out, Wendy, um, Spurs are a community before they are a private business and that private business should should have a duty, does have a duty, should be held accountable by its community to do right by um, by Spurs fans. And the cost is outrageous. Um, you know, I mentioned before a few years ago that my dad got priced out of his season ticket when we moved to the new stadium. I, like you, don't know how I can reasonably financially justify getting to more than a couple of games next season because the the cost is just absurd um in, increasingly working class fans cannot afford to attend spurs matches and it's um it's fucking outrageous and and <laughs> if you want to have a fucking movement in spurs fans if you want to go buy a pair of colors and you want to organize protests this is what that's for right you want to stage a walkout yeah. This this is where that's needed, and and I am totally um, ready and willing mm-hmm. um, to join and support any such protest because this Same. is fucking outrageous. Yeah, but this won't be the basis of the of the complaints. It will be not buying Declan Rice. That's <laughs> that's where the the movement, the Enoch out movement, and everything else is where it's so disconnected. This, you're right. This is they needed like a manifesto. They needed something to to guide them. <laughs> And this could be it. This should be. Yeah, I agree. I, 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 I totally agree with you because, like, again, you get into arguments with with these people, and they say, "Well, we're paying the highest ticket prices." I'm like, "Well, that's the fucking problem that we're paying the ticket prices, not that we aren't just winning as a result yeah. of paying the highest ticket prices." Yeah. But I think that you have to um, offer a clean slate, and uh, whether it's the same people or different people, say, independent of the unique out movement, there needs to be organically within the Spurs fan base a direct protest that is specifically about this. And um, I think we as a podcast have to um, be willing to throw what, what little weight we have behind anything like that. That's yeah. And, and um, there was a discussion between um, a few people I, I follow and respect on, on Spurs Twitter about how um, we could maybe do, do a walkout in the first game of the season and how that sort of, undermines Postacoglu and doesn't do him any favours but I think um, I agree with that and that sucks but I think that we have to prioritise um, our message over the goodwill of Postacoglu and I think that he's brilliant and he'll survive and uh, the club should feel the pain of how that does undermine their new coach so I'd like to see that You have been listening to The Extra Inch with me, Windy, my sidekick and best friend, Barney, and our tactics guy, Nate Clark. If you like this, there's plenty more at patreon.com forward slash The Extra Inch. Production is by Nathan A. Clark. Our logo, artwork and website are designed by Creighton Miller. Our music is by David Lindmer. You can find him on Instagram at David Lindmer. Do check him out. He's great. Great, great. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook at The Extra Inch. Email us at podcast at theextrainch.co.uk. Subscribe, leave us a rating and a review. And most importantly, be sure to tell all of your Spurs friends. Shout out to the X-Sub, who we love every single last one of you. And of course, come on you Spurs. Thank you.